Good morning, and welcome to Obreeders Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, October 12th, and today we're reading from the Big Book, Chapter 7, and we are on page 90, the third paragraph. Sometimes it is wise to wait, reading that one paragraph only. And today's readers are, and thank you for your service, for the 12 Steps, Dave M., 12 Traditions, Marge E., Reading the text are Kathy S., Crystal P., and Barbara P. The newcomer greeter is Lauren N., and the host of the second hour is Penny C. The reference numbers for Monday, October 11, 2021, are for the 7, 7 a.m. meeting, 17,900, that's 17900, and for the 10 a.m., 17,901, that's 17901. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater, excuse me, who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover. Through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous, I will now ask Dave M. to read the 12 steps of OA. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all of these defects of character. Seven, humbly ask him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual waking and as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive eaters and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. I'll pass. Thank you, Dave. Okay, I will now ask Marge E. to read the 12 Traditions. Thank you, Katie. Marge E. from Massachusetts, Recovered but Not Cured. The 12 Traditions. One, a common welfare should come first. 
Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such, ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Pass. Thank you, Marge. <clears throat> How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 90, the third paragraph. Sometimes it is wise to wait. And I will ask Kathy S. to begin reading. Thank you, Katie. This is Kathy S., recovered compulsive over a year from Georgia. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. The family may object to this, but unless he is in a dangerous physical condition, it is better to risk it. Don't deal with him when he is very drunk, unless he is ugly and the family needs your help. Wait for the end of the spree or at least for a lucid interval. Then let his family or a friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others and who will be glad to talk to him if he cares to see you. Um, this, uh, 
the fact that I'm reading this paragraph is, is not wasted on me. Um, this was my experience when I, um, I had just come off of a binge and reached out to a friend and program asked her to sponsor me. And, um, and we talked for a little bit and I, I was, uh, just totally drawn to her recovery, asked her questions, couldn't believe she was still doing it, but I really wanted what she had. And um, she cautiously and very wisely waited because she said, she, she told me she was going to pray about it. And I said, oh, no problem. You know, I'm going to pray about it too. And I'm going to get um, abstinent in the meantime, all this I work. And so for the next two weeks, that's exactly what I did. I tried to, I went on an abstinent food plan and just was like, all all good. In that meantime, of course, because I was doing it, I had this confidence and I didn't do what I needed to do, you know, make outreach calls or listen to meetings for very long. And next thing I knew, I went back out and had another binge um, over some random excuse and reason and that it was the day after I was in that moment of what I love uh, Bill's words lucid interval and that is lucid the word lucid means very clear and easy to understand this is the moment after a binge and when I'm kind of going through that withdrawal period where I know what I need to do. And my efforts were, did not work. I knew I couldn't do this on my own. I knew uh, by now my binge foods very clearly and, and moderation doesn't work. I have this uh, physical allergy and definitely have this mental obsession. And it was then that God had my soon to be sponsor call and tell me that uh, if I wanted to go to any links. If I wanted to work the steps, she would be willing to guide me through that process. And, and I mean, it's the, somebody had asked on the eight o'clock meeting what the beginning of inertia was. And for me, that was it. It was coming to that place of desperation of finally understanding that I could do nothing to um, help myself, that I needed help. I needed this fellowship and I needed a sponsor to guide me through. And what I love about even my own experience was this was the beginning of a true dependence on God and seeing how God could do for me what I could not do for myself. And he even guided my sponsor in this way. So um, it's, it's just amazing and it works. And I today am one of those recovered who's learning to practice to wait and have patience um, and just share my experience, strength, and hope. And um, I think that's about all I got. So thanks for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Kathy S., for getting us started. And we're on page 90, the third paragraph, Sometimes It Is Wise to Wait. And although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Charles. Charles H. This is Larry H. K. Reba P. Reba P. Okay. Nancy P. Nancy P. 
We can take a few more. Dave M. Dave M. Okay, I've got Charles H., Larry K., Reva P., Nancy P., and Dave M. Go ahead, please, Charles. Thank you very much for your service, Katie F., and uh, that amazing thing that you did over the weekend was so amazing. It's because you're willing to go to any length. And um, I know in this, I just know a little something, right? I don't know much, but I know there's at least 58 ifs in working with others. And these two ifs are so important and so vital to that first conversation that I should have with, with, a, uh, with a, a, a protege. Bill uses a lot of different words, and here it is. He says, um, then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. If he says yes, then his attention should be drawn to you as a person who has recovered but turns into a pumpkin at 12.01 the next day, right? So, I, I, and I also want to put a plug in for the tools. You know, the tools are the, the, the handrails or the, uh, the banisters to the steps. You know, without the tool of the phone, we wouldn't be on Vision for You phone meetings. Without sponsorship, which, yes, yeah, sponsorship, which, which is a tool, we wouldn't be talking about working with others. You know, without, without writing or literature, we wouldn't have this book this great life-saving book that saves our life one day at a time. So, you know, shame on anybody that's poo-pooing about the tool. And I tell you, I will dub any sponsee. Dub in the hood means get rid of, eliminate, abandon. Any sponsee that's talking about I'm spinning on wheels, I can't get, I can't get abstinent, uh, that won't listen to a vision for you. Not because a vision, a vision for you is a healthy OA meeting with plenty of recovered people. Oh, I can't find a sponsor? Get to the 8.50 a.m. meeting and leave your name. Oh, I'm scared to share? You're too, you're too self-centered. You're too self-centered, right? Nobody on here is a superstar in Overeaters Anonymous in a mental illness program. These ifs, these conditions save my life on a daily basis. I salute those that put themselves out there to be vulnerable, to carry this message and trudge the road of happy destiny. And with that, I'm off this. Thank you very much, Katie. Thank you, Charles. Okay, Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Reba P. Hey, Katie, thanks for the service. Uh, love the passion. Larry, uh, recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I'm gonna focus on um, then let his family or friend ask him if he wants to quit for good and if he would go to any extreme to do so. You know, it takes me back, when I read this, it takes me back to page 58. They give us uh, an admonition, of a really important statement here on 58. It says, second paragraph, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you're ready to take certain steps, right? So one of the things I need to understand is that the road to readiness is not necessary, not, ne not necessarily linear. You know what I mean? It's in other words, the, the reality for many of us is we don't progress from one stage of readiness to the next. 
Rather, the, 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 you know, we kind of cycle back and forth between stages of readiness sometimes. And this is just a normal, uh, uh, you know, part of being human, normal part of the change process. And some of us are introduced to OA and we're in a stage of pre-contemplation, you know, kind of uh, telling ourselves stories of, I, I don't think I could do this right. I, I don't know where to begin. And then we might move to a stage of contemplation where we see more pros than cons, yet we still have some doubts that it's going to work for us. And, and perhaps we get to a stage of preparation where we begin to see hope in others. And then maybe we arrive to a stage of action where we make a commitment to doing this thing. But the point is, again, the stages of change for me, I don't know about you, didn't fall into some neat and kind of tidy progression, right? The change process was messy for me, and it was frustrating. And I know very few people in OA that arrived here, picked up this book, followed their, the, the instructions from the get-go, and lived happily ever after. If you're one of those people, I'd love to hear from you. I, I don't know too many of those people. So here's the paradox for me in working with others. Now, while it's true that we ask them if they want to quit for good, if they're willing to go to any extreme to do so, today I also know that judgment and moralizing to an addict is uh, perhaps the least effective method to allow God's change to unfold. It has to happen in the head, and it has to happen in the heart. And I find that having empathy and understanding for the person holds greater value in the long run. Delivering truth without empathy is merely cruelty. Yet when I deliver the unabashed truth with empathy and understanding, it's a dose of God's love. And it paves the way for God's grace to come in. I see it again and again. So that's the paradox. Leave them alone if they're not ready. But allow for God's empathy to come through. I don't want to mess them up down the road when they show up at your doorstep. So with that, I pass. Thanks, Katie. Thank you, Larry. Okay, Reva P, you're up, followed by Nancy P. Good morning. This is Reva P, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in Toronto. The words that are striking me this morning are wait and if. And there's two waits. And that's such a great reminder for me that in order to uh, be able to be competent by step 12 to carry the message, I need to work steps 1 through 11. Um, so that I can be in touch with divine timing and know when to wait and when to go in there and when to speak and when to listen. Um, And for myself, I know that word wait reminds me that the right thing at the wrong time turns out wrong. Um, Like there's sort of a flow in terms of how my higher power works and I need to get into that stream Um, and flow, um, because if I do the wrong thing, um, I just end up getting pushed back. Um, And the second thing that I love is the ifs, as was talked about. And I love the word and, because they're connected. If he wants to quit, and it doesn't just say quit, quit for good. What do you mean? Just quit for today? Just quit for the party that's coming up? Just quit because I want to get to goal weight and then whatever? No, quit for good means this is like a lifelong thing. But with that is the word and, and that means I have to go to any lengths, go to any extreme. And any extreme could be 
you know, calling the restaurant before I get there to make sure that there's abstinent food. I don't want to do it. I don't like doing it. But going to any extreme means I do what I don't want to do because it's the right thing. Um, And going to any extreme changes as time goes on. And I think God raises the bar. And as I work my spiritual muscles, it's like the one-pound weight no longer keeps me in fit spiritual condition, so the challenges get higher. And now God says, here's a, you know, another challenge that's maybe a five-pound weight kind of thing um, to keep growing my spiritual fitness. Um, and then I like the part, you know, I am a person who will try to help others. I try to help. I might, I might not. You know, I do my best, uh, follow God's guidance, and the outcome I have to always remember is not up to me. Because in my enthusiasm, in my, like my tendency is to want to just bulldoze once I make up my mind to do things. But this is such a great reminder. It's about pausing, stopping, and action, um, all directed by my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva P. Okay, Nancy P., you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Nancy P. in West Newton, Massachusetts. Um, recovered today. So my, <clears throat> excuse me, my own personal experience um, was that I made the call. You know, we don't go to hospitals anymore. At least I don't know anybody that goes to hospitals or, you know, asylums or anything like that. But um, so I made the call to a friend I've known for 45 years. And um, she was my go-to person, you know, for all those years, when things were dire, I got it. When I was pregnant with my son, I got a slightly elevated test result for a non-life compatible condition. I called her. She called me, talked me off the ledge. So I called her one day um, in 2017 in November, and she said, "Oh, you, I haven't talked to you in so long." And I said, "Well, I hope we're still friends." And she said, "You must be calling about vision," which of course I was not because I'd never heard of it. And I said, well, and she kind of plowed over me. She goes, let me tell you about it. She was stumbling over herself because she had known me for so long in OA, seen me up and down, up and down. And, um, you know, I was sobbing in my car as though my heart would break because I had just, for, for the daily practice, eaten a dozen donuts, and I just was overwhelmed. Alcohol was my master. That's where I was. And I called her, and um, she said, told me about it. And I said, all right, give me the website. And she said, no. She said, get a paper, I'll wait. So I had to go into my sticky purse with my sticky pen and get a sticky piece of paper and write it down with donut hands. And I called, and I've never had to um, hurt myself with food since December 1st of 2017. And, you know, a week or two later, I called her from my car on the Mass Pike going home from work where I worked in Boston. And I was shouting on the phone, like, you wouldn't believe it. She said, I can hear it in your voice. I said, no, that's not good enough. I must shout. And, you know, and we had a good laugh over that. And, and today, <clears throat> when I started sponsoring people, I was told to make sure that people know what I offer and what I don't offer. And I am a step sponsor. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a food sponsor. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a priest. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm, I'm only a step sponsor, a step guide. And, um, and if they want to recover they'll recover. And I'll close by saying one thing. I was complaining or, you know, irritated that a sponsee lied to me. And I called my sponsor and I got the best advice or the best wise counsel, I would say. She said, what what chapter are you on? We had just started, I don't know, whatever, you know, either the doctor's opinion or Bill's story or, you know, there is a solution somewhere in there. 
And she said, they, they don't, they're sick. They don't know how to tell the truth. They don't know. But your time isn't wasted because you're carrying the message. And, you know, I took that to the bank and I was, I have been so uplifted by that because I no longer, I'm not the food police. I'm not the step police. I'm the messenger. That's it. I only carry a message. And, um, and I'm really clear on that. And, um, you know, people come to me. I don't, I don't call people up and say, hey, do you need a sponsor? I don't do that. They come to me. So if they want what I have, then they get what I have to offer. And um, I'm pretty clear on that. And, you know, I came from Time a pretty please. dark place. I, I will wrap up. I came from a pretty dark place, and I'm not there anymore. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy. Okay, Dave M., you're up, and then we'll open it up for more shares on page 90, the third paragraph. Sometimes it's wise to wait. Go ahead, please, Dave. Sometimes it is wise to wait till he goes on a binge. I, I get that part. I get that because right after a binge, that was when I was ready. The pain, you know, that you go through, the lack of control and the humiliation. Um, if it was around other people and you were embarrassed, I've, I've gone through that, and that was what got me here. I was listening to an AA speaker mention that he thought the difference between recovering and not recovering was whether you were giving something up or you were getting out of jail. And right after the binge, I, I felt trapped. And after a while, it didn't provide relief anymore. The food didn't really provide that anymore. But the remorse was there. And that's uh, that's what made me willing to really do the steps, not kind of do the steps, really do the steps. When when you want out of jail, you'll do it. It didn't help me quit things that I still loved all the time, but it helped me get out of jail. And I'm grateful to be recovered today. Now, I'll pass. Thank you so much. Okay, so although we value your experience, we ask that you limit your shares to every third day in order that others might share their experience. So who would like to share on this uh, third paragraph on page 90? Christina J. Christina J. Roz G. Roz E or G? G. Go Dan. Okay. Okay. Nancy L. Okay. Melissa Saint. Okay. We'll take a few more. Ross M. Ross M. Okay, let's go with that group. Christina J, Roz G, Nancy L, Melissa C, Russ M, and then we'll have time for more, probably. Good morning, Christina J from the state of Washington this morning, um, recovered for today. Uh, you know, I, I went through many relapses since I came in in 2014, uh, February, in division. And um, as I would relapse and I'd get a new sponsor, uh, they would always ask me, uh, are you ready to quit? 
are you going to quit now? I mean, these were like heavy-duty questions for me. And at first, during my first kind of go-around of relapses, I was pretty sure, yeah, I'm ready. You know, this is this has taken me down too many times. I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. And then as it got towards the end of my relapse cycles, I didn't, I wasn't sure. <laughs> I was scared. I was scared of my relapses because I didn't know. And um, that is really a place of hopelessness and surrender, really, because I didn't know. So I might say yes, because I really want to, but then there's that part of me that doesn't know. And how do I fix that as a person, a newcomer or a, a relapser? How do I fix that? i got to dive into this thing fully. And um, if will I go to any length? That's the big question for me. As I came out of those last relapse cycles, I realized I had to go to any length. I had to go to any extreme if I was ever going to get through this. I had to do what I heard on the lines people were doing. I had to make those calls, even though I was uncomfortable doing so. I had to um, listen to the podcast. <clears throat> I had to dive into this work to really make it happen. Action is the bridge that's going to take you to the other shore. You know, that's, that's what it is. And so um, I also love the fact that I, uh, if I'm given, uh, you know, a week or so after my last binge and I'm white-knuckling and I'm not doing any of this stuff to really make it happen, not me make it happen, but let the program work in me, uh, I, get, I get egotistical. Oh, this isn't a big deal. Uh, I can do this again. You know, it's like every diet I ever went on. <laughs> I could do it. Two weeks, I could do it. And then the food would call again. So it's very critical that um, right in that lucid interview, uh, I love it when newcomers call me, or not newcomers, but anybody that calls me that's been in the food and they're desperate. That is the powerlessness. They've realized the powerlessness. They've picked up again. And I've heard in the line at some point or maybe on a podcast, powerless is the launching pad to surrender, the launching pad, you know, that desperate state. So um, wait for the end of the spree or the lucid interview. It's great when people call me at that point and say they want to get going. And I'll say, you know, are you ready to quit? And, you know, sometimes they're they're truthful with me. You know, I really don't know. And and for me, that really don't know isn't necessarily from the place of they still feel like they have control, but that they're scared. They're scared that they've had so many relapses that they don't know they're powerless over this thing. So then we get to work because that's the key to um, helping them get to the point where they're I, they show me, you know, I'm ready to do this work. I'm ready to do it. please. And um, so, anyway, that's my experience, strength, and hope in this. I hope it helps someone. Thank you so much. Thank you, Christina J. Roz G., you're up, followed by Nancy L. Everybody, good morning. My name is Roz, and uh, I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I'm in Palmdale, California. I'm sorry, I got the oh, there muting you are. <laughs> thing. Yeah, the muting, the muting thing kind of messed with me there. Okay, apologize for that. But anyway, um, I just want to say um, there's um, there's a there's this person that I listen to quite often that says um, that does a lot of answering of questions, and he says when you sponsor somebody, you know, when you're with a newcomer or you're you know you're with a compulsive overeater who's sick, there needs to be an adult in the room. And the sponsor needs to be the adult in the room. 
and I can I can I can speak to this from a sponsee's point of view, and I can speak to this from a sponsor's point of view. And I'll start with me as the sponsee. There were times, and you know, oh, I've had many sponsors over the years, and I remember one particular time where I I was in school, and I told this um, this lady that, um, well, this is the this is when I can do this, and this is when I can do that, and I want to work it like this. And she said to me, you know, it sounds to me like you want to tell me how you want me to sponsor you. <laughs> she really, you know, kind of put me in my place, and. Um, she shocked me into, uh, I don't know if submission's the word, but I, you know, of shutting my mouth and listening. And she was the adult in the room. And it wasn't a vision for you. It was another type of meeting. Um, but she got my attention. And it wasn't, uh, they didn't really practice entire abstinence in that meeting. So it didn't work for me eventually. But I really like that she said that. You sound like you want me to tell you how you want me to sponsor you. And so, and then flipping it on the other side is um, I've I've had people tell me, you know, what what they're going to do and what they're not going to do. You know, people who have been around for a while who, you know, have been, you know, chronic relapsers, so-called. And, you know, because I was a relapser too. Um, and I've learned that, you know, if people are going to tell me how they're going to, how they want me to sponsor them, it's probably not going to work. So um, I try, I teach them a, a set-aside prayer, although it's the set-aside prayer is not in the big book. There's things that say, let's, you know, get, get away from our old ideas. So you can kind of translate it, that into saying, okay, God, um, just, you know, set aside everything I think I know. Take away, you know, give me the attitude of a newcomer so that I can listen. I, I try to teach them to that, that, that to them because the, the people who are the know-it-alls really, for me and my experience, don't really work very well with me. And the people who are willing to, to listen, whether they've had a long time or not, uh, set aside their old ideas, have the, idea, have the attitude and the humility of a newcomer time please it worked yes and i'll wrap up by saying that works very well thank you and i pass thank you roz and nancy l you're up followed by melissa c good morning katie this is nancy l i live in lagrange georgia uh recovered from my compulsive eating today um I just thank everybody that shared so much today and and the reading um, from the big book is always very enlightening to me. Uh, I've been in this program for seven years and I was a chronic relapser. I would come in and get my, pick up my chips and be so proud and get 90 days and be so proud, and then my pride would just take me right down, right back into the food again. And I treated my sponsors totally incorrect, incorrectly. I put them on a pedestal. I thought my sponsors knew the secrets, 
they were top notch. And I did have some good sponsors. But even having good sponsors, I was not able to stay out of the food. My disease was so strong within me. Um, I went to a sponsor. I went to a counselor. I did whatever I could do. And today, I'm living clean. I'm living with clean food eat habits. Um, and I have I've, I haven't sponsored anybody through this whole program because I didn't feel like I was worthy. I didn't feel like I was worthy to be put up on a pedestal. And working through this chapter has just shown me, no, I'm not worthy and I don't want to be put on a pedestal. All I want to do is to help some hurting, compulsive eater get out of the dismal place that they're in. And I love the idea that, and I've learned through vision, that all I have to do is share my experience, strength, and hope. And I love what someone else said. They were not a food sponsor. They were a step sponsor. And I think with the information that I have that I can take with me and wait when I'm supposed to wait and act when I'm supposed to act, that I can sponsor someone and help them to walk through this process and come out successful on the other side, as I have done. And I thank you for your service and thank you for the shares that have been very helpful to me. And I pass. Thank you, Nancy. Sorry, I forgot to set my timer. I think that was about right, though. Thank you so much. Okay, Melissa C., you're up, followed by Russ M., and then we'll have time for more shares on page 90, the third paragraph. In order, um, sometimes it is wise to wait. Go ahead, please, Melissa. Hey, good morning, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. I'm Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. I live in New York, and um, you know, and it's sad like not to deal with someone when they're drunk. Um, you know, I think about, um, I tend to get approached like by people who don't know anything really about Overeaters Anonymous in a particular setting. And it's usually at like an event or a dinner party of some sort where I'm sitting next to someone and they've got a lot of food on their plate. And it's usually, you know, people who know me who live um, then in, it happens to me a lot of times at family functions. Um, there are certain relatives that find, find themselves sitting next to me, and they know me. They know my history. They know that at one time I was over 300 pounds, um, and they know that I've been in this normal-sized body now for a number of years. And so what happens is I get people who I believe may have this. I, I know them pretty well. They sit next to me, and their plates are piled high, like, I say that with no judgment. I'm just saying it like a fact. Um, and they look at my plate, and they want to talk about what it is that I do. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, we don't deal with people when, when they're drinking. It's, it's like, because really what they're hoping that I'm going to tell them is some sort of magic secret that's going to let them go on eating um, and, and then get in a normal-sized body. And I don't have that, you know, I don't have that magic secret to share. 
Um, and I've got another solution that's incredible and far more magical than that. But it's not the time or the place to share that information because what I find is um, you have to be done eating. The food has to have, you know, I mean, that was my experience. I didn't want to eat anymore, but I couldn't imagine life without eating, right? I couldn't live with it, and I couldn't live without it. And so we wait for people to go on a spree. And I also, you know, I have relationships with loads of people in this program, and many of which I've, I've gotten a chance to sponsor people repeatedly <laughs> because sometimes they're just not ready. And um, and it, when we say we don't deal with them, it doesn't to me. I loved what Larry said earlier um, and a lot of things that I've heard here that um, I still have compassion. I still have – I'm still approachable. I'm still nice. I'm just not dealing with you. I'm just not going to – I can't guide you through the steps if you're still eating. And another, you know, strong indicator for me is how do I know if someone is really willing to give them, give them something to do because their words don't demonstrate if they're really willing, but their actions do. And a clear indicator for me that someone is not willing is if they're going to tell me, just like Ross has said, if they're going to tell me what they need to get, um, to get well, right? If they know what they need, then um, I don't know that they need me. You know, I need my help at this time. And um, thanks for that, I'll Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Russ M., you're up. Good morning, Katie. Good morning, family. Russ M., a compulsive overeater outside of Philly. So, I, I, yeah, my mind is jumping all over the place with this. Uh, sometimes it's wise to wait, right? Just that, just that part of that sentence. You know, I want to go full bore. This is the way it is. You're hurting. You know, get you got to get out of bondage. You got to get free. This is how we got to do it. If you want to do it, you got to be clean for two days. But hit them with 9,000 things. A lot of times I've scared people off that way. And I come and I, I act like I got it figured out. I act like, you know, everything is together in my life. And now I'm this free, clean, sober dude. You know how long people waited for me? 45 years. I'm going to go into the story, right? Everything you always hear me share about. Everything was a wreck. I heard all these people. People waited for me. They were patient with me when they didn't have to be. So what I'm learning more and more by trial and error with, with sponsoring is that, look, I can't do squat abdo. I can't do nothing. I can't do anything. All I can do is share the message with love and compassion. And so, and really, my actions are going to speak more than whatever I tell somebody. And, you know, just like God got me out of the food, God's going to figure the rest out. I can't control, you know, I have no control over anybody. And sometimes, you know, they're going to have to hit a low bottom. I can't save people. I couldn't save me. So my my point is, I can get egotistical and cocky about this whole thing and forget where I came from, forget who I truly am. And, you know, I pray for patience and understanding and wisdom that I can share this message without beating people over their head and that I could just serve them. You know, actions speak louder than words. So hopefully I could do it with my actions and they see something then I'm able to help them or get them to someone that can, <clears throat> that can help them. So that's what this, just that sentence did for me. So, have a good day. Love you guys. Pass.
Thank you, Russ. Okay, so we have time for, we have uh, 12 minutes, so we have time for four more shares. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? Say, uh, we're Polly on page Q. 90. Okay, Polly Q. Marissa A. Marissa A. Shanna C. Shanna C. One more. Anita J. Anita J. Okay, so let's go ahead, please, with Polly Q, followed by Melissa A, then Shanna C, and Anita J. Go ahead, Polly. Star one, Polly. Can you hear me? Now we can. Yep. Yep, there you are. (laughs) What happens with the phone? Thank you for your service, moderator. Uh, This is Polly Q, recovered in Northern California. You know, I want to zone in on this. You should be described to him as one of a fellowship who, as part of their own recovery, try to help others. Um, I'm amazed at the people that, um, uh, that... that I sponsor or that I hear uh, that I talk with in the program who they got to step, they, they read step 12 and then they don't sponsor. Like I don't get it. That's step 12. Sponsoring is step 12. If I'm not sponsoring, I didn't finish step 12. You know, I, 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 my sponsees save my ass. Oh my gosh! I mean, Bill, what, what wasn't Bill struggling? I mean, he was struggling. He had been sober for six months, and he was struggling. And he knew he had to talk to uh, to another alcoholic, or he was going to drink. Uh, I'm going through a low spot right now. My family's in real trauma, and I have to tell you, without my sponsees, oh, I, oh my gosh! I, I mean, I would, I would be in the food. I'd be in the food. It, that is the crux of the program. One recovered addict talking to another. That is why this program works when none others do. And my experience with the sponsees who have worked diligently to on the steps, recovered, and, and gotten a lot of relief, is when they don't sponsor, they go back into the food. It's guaranteed. I believe it's guaranteed. If I am not working the steps, and if I've gotten to step 12 and I'm not sponsoring, I'm not working the steps, then I will eat. I'm just doing time. That's all. It'll happen. So I urge you, work the steps for um, my own recovery. It's, it, 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 we're not saints here because we finish the steps. We work them because we, uh, our lives depend on it. Our, our recovery depends on it. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Polly. And um, next we have Melissa A. followed by Shanna C. Hi, this is Marissa A., compulsive overeater in Florida. Uh, the word that sticks out to me is wait. 
Um, my relationship with sponsorship is a long one, several years. Um, the first feeling of weight that I now know, I didn't realize it then, but I saw the waiting then was when my father in an AA uh, program waited until I was 18 and came back home from college and said to me, you know, there's a 12-step program, Overeaters Anonymous. He was very calm and humble when he spoke to me about it and just simply said, if you're interested, you know, go online, look it up. And I know now that he waited. He waited for that time. I had been in the food since I was 10 and he waited. And on my, you know, on God's accord, I looked it up at my pace. But when I went into my first meeting, the second experience of waiting I saw was the opposite of waiting. I bulldozed. My sponsor came to me on my first meeting. I remember back then it was come to five meetings or something, come to three meetings, see what you, what you think, see if it's something you're willing to do. On my first meeting, my sponsor came right up to me and said, I'm going to do this for you. You're going to be with me. Go to the grocery store, get these items, call me in the morning, have this for breakfast. What did I do? Absolutely, I'll do whatever you tell me. And from that minute, I was three years abstinent, lost 100 pounds, never a mistake. Boom, bulldozed right through it. Then I said, oh, of course I'm going to be a sponsor. That's the job. I get a sponsor. She I get a sponsee. She calls me. I didn't wait. And then she says three days in a row, I'm having trouble in evenings. I can't seem to put the sugar down in the evenings. And I was completely shell-shocked. I didn't know how to help her because I really wasn't working the program. I had done the steps, I'd done what I was told, but God wasn't with me, nothing was sinking in. I wasn't listening to anyone. And so I had gotten the body I'd wanted. I sponsored because that's who I am. I think I'm a leader and I couldn't help this woman. So then I leave the program. I don't even know that first sponsor's name. I don't even know who she was. That's how still numb and in my own head that I was. I wasn't really here for that. And now today I have a different sponsor several years later and she is waiting. I'm still new. I'm very new. I'm getting this whole program as if it's the first time in different ways. And every day she waits for me. And I, when I called her, I said, you know, I know this is different. I don't seem to, I can't handle the physical. I, like someone said before, I'm scared. I'm hopeless. I don't know if I'm ready. So I came in in a very different way with a de very different, I don't, I didn't even have a goal. I didn't know what I was doing. Thank you. And so okay. she's waiting for me. She's calm and she's nice to me and I'm nice to her and I'm doing what I'm told and she waits for me every day. And that's the sponsorship relationship I have today. So I appreciate all of you, all of you sponsors. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Thank you so much. I'm not sure if it was Melissa or Marissa, but thank you. Beautiful. Okay, Shanna C, you're up, followed by Anita J. Actually, we have four minutes, so if you could each take two, that'd be beautiful. Good morning. This is uh, Shanna C from Tennessee, Grateful Recovered Compulsive Eater through God's grace. And um, I'm hesitant to say my time, but I can help but be grateful because it truly is a miracle for my life. I've uh, celebrated two years. Two years 
abstinent last week. And it's all because in my most desperate moment, um, I, I got on my knees and begged God for help. And uh, all of a sudden, the thought crossed my mind, call, call this vision for you. And a woman was sharing her, her story. She was carrying the message of hope uh, on a special edition. And for some reason, I felt absolutely compelled to call her. And I did. And just so happened, she had an opening for sponsorship just open up that week. And um, she's not the one who got me abstinent. It was, I believe, with all my heart that God removed that obsession because I was so desperate. And then the right sponsor came. She helped me through the steps. Uh, you know, I, I did what I needed to do um, out of desperation. Uh, that two years came a day at a time, comes a meal at a time. Um, every day I wake up abstinent. It truly is a miracle for my life. I used to hear people say that and not believe them. Um, you know, but I, I see how, how much of a miracle it is. In fact, so grateful that I get the opportunity to sponsor now. And I, I did, I, I worked the steps, lost the weight, maintaining weight, and it's just unreal. And I remember asking her, um, how do I, how do I maintain the weight? How do I do, how do I not go back? And then she goes, carry the message. It's that simple. You just simply carry the message. And what that looks like, it is just being willing to carry what was given to me um, to be available, uh, to share my experience through this. Um, in fact, last week, I uh, had a couple of people ask me to help them. And uh, they uh, I gave away what I had. And they, they called me back and were very sweet. Look, I can't do this. I cannot do this. I'm not ready for this. You know, there was no well, blah, 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 you know, this heavy-handed kind of thing happening. It's okay, I understand completely. You know, I did that years ago myself. I wasn't ready either. But if and when you decide or whatever, if you Sign want or need my help, I'm, I'm, you know where to find me. So anyway, I've been praying for them. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you guys for being here for me. That's all I have. Thank you so much, um, Shanna C., and congratulations. And now we have Anita J. will be our last share for today. Okay, thank you so much. This is Anita J. from Massachusetts, gratefully recovered uh, through these 12 steps and my loving God. Um, what it took me to finally become teachable, you know, for somebody to say, are you ready to follow, to follow these simple steps? You know, I've been in since 1978. But it wasn't until February 3rd was my last debauch. Oh, February 3rd, excuse me, of 2014. It took, what it took to, like, get me, break my legs. I mean, you know, not really. But it's been the greatest thing to wake up every morning since that day with no remorse. Do you remember the remorse, the awful feeling every morning and that you had to get up, do the things you had to do with that awful feeling and thinking, I'll never do it again. Oh, this is so awful, and yet you do it again. You do it again and again. The gratitude I have for the people who had tried to sponsor but they had to let me go. But, and uh, finally now, I've become teachable, and 
I love now to pass the message. I can't, I can't uh, do as many as I used to because of a vision issue. But my God, it's the greatest gift, isn't it? Um, I know people are saying yes, it is, and that's a transformation. I'll never, I'll never, um, I'll never ever get used to feeling the gratitude. If I do, you know. Remind me, will you? Because I don't want to lose that. Well, thank you very much. Thank all of you. Because it really was the messengers happened to be on this program. What is it about this program? Maybe because it's time, please. Healthy is good. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, everyone who shared. Um, we will, uh, okay, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And the share ID for today, October 12th, 2021, 7 a.m. meeting is 17906. That's 17,906. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Crystal P. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Hi, good morning. This is Crystal P., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Toronto, Canada. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.